Hello again, everybody. This is uh, Jason Powers. So today we're going to talk about, well, it's Veterans Day. I'm going to keep my uh, voice down here. I'm trying a new setup. So my mom and most of my family have served in one way, shape, or form in the military going back all the way to the Revolutionary War. In a way, I guess I'm kind of proud of that fact. Uh, you know, family got here back in the late 1600s, early 1700s. I don't know exactly the very exact day, but they got here pretty quickly. And so, um, anyway, the point of this is um, to remember that um, service, um, all service members around the world should be... Um, appreciated for their devotion to their country because in many cases they're the um, and I would say even in all cases uh, they're the they're the last bastion of hope we have against the current situation because I think um, many people don't appreciate what these people have done they did service uh, for a country that often put them in harm's way on purpose for their own glorification Leaders like to make their names off of their war, war winning or war records, even though they're not the ones that actually do any of the um, the the suffering, the living, and the dying, or the killing, or even just the the maintenance maintain uh, the maintenancing of order in a country. We've been suckered into many wars. Uh, that's been going back for time memorial um, that there's been people that have uh, not um, put us in good circumstances lied to us conned us the Wall Streeters the Bolsheviks um, I say that in particular because World War I was uh, actually a ginned up war with uh, and, and, and this is where the Veterans Day, as we know it, November 11th, came from, uh, the out, outgrowth of World War One, And that we've, uh, <clears throat> over the course of time, had to uh, um, become more aware that um, we're just useful idiots to them, our leadership, and uh, know that the service of our country, that was important. I mean, World War Two is seems to be the most, uh, I guess, shining example of that, in that there was a, a threat, a danger, not only from Germany but in actuality, uh, uh, the Soviet Union, because of the way things turned out, um, and that was driven by other forces. But uh, today is a remembrance of the people who, um, you know served well decided you know to to take that leap i guess i'll start with the one that's most closest to me is my mother so barely out of uh high school so she got out of high school probably late may or june of 1970 and she enlisted uh by october of 1970 so she only waited uh, a few months i think she felt the necessity to maybe she wanted to rebel against her her father who uh, my grandfather uh, was in the United States Navy 
So maybe she wanted to be more like him, uh, or certainly didn't see a necessity to to just stay home or go looking for a bow or whatever the case may be. But she certainly rebelled and decided to join the Marine Corps, and she wound up at Paris Island. I, today I posted up a few pictures or examples of her her uh, documents. I um, I had to send away for her uh, service record at one point, and I did that back uh, about well. It was going on 11 years ago. I guess it was October 2010. October, November, probably November. November, actually, where well, I'm about a week away from her uh, her first crisis point. Um, she was uh, she had a cancer operation, and about six weeks after that, she wound up uh, having emergency brain surgery the day before Thanksgiving of, uh, of uh, 2010. But, uh, yeah, she joined the service. Uh, she managed to get through. Now, she wouldn't go into combat or anything. It was 1970 and 71. By, 71 by the time she actually, you know, got through boot camp and stuff like that. And she was a clerk and uh, logistics uh, uh, support uh, stateside. Uh, she wound up being stationed at Quantico, Virginia, which is where I was born at. <clears throat> Her her future husband, my dad, <laughs> uh, met there, and that's how I came about. Um, he was uh, he was an air traffic he was an air traffic controller or, or whatever that rating is in the Marine Corps at the time. But uh, yeah, she she wound up doing her service and and got out in uh, 1973. And I think she was in the reserves for a reserve some kind of reserve orientation for a few years after that, but not, not really. I don't think she did very much. Um, I was born in 72. So, and then I came about and, you know, changed and altered her life. Um, but you know, the thing is, is, uh, service is something that everybody should do. I think, I think everybody should, uh, that's able body and can pass exams should, at least serve for a couple years and determine if they want to serve longer. It's not about using weapons. I think so many people misinterpret what service to their country is. There certainly are battle. I mean, obviously, the special forces, obviously, certain you know, groups and divisions and battalion and crack units and SEALs and uh, certain um, units in, uh, in each each of the branches of service have specialty roles that take years and years of experience or years and years of training and that's all well and good there's many though that the idea of service is just uh being able to do uh intelligence gathering logistics uh transportation maintenance on on board a a ship or maintenance of an aircraft or maintenance of the motor pool or the tank or what have you those things are all uh duties that have to be done or carried out and they have to get a, a, a training in that particular field uh, so <clears throat> many people who uh, misinterpret what the military mission is don't realize that there's more than there's more than just shooting and uh, shooting at the enemy uh, a lot of times the idea <laughs> or the very idea is to have a strong military and then don't don't have to use it is it something that the United States should solely be responsible for the world security? I never really buy into that. I know there's some people that 
would uh, disagree and think that you know my my uh, tactic is more isolationist, but that's just kind of the way I feel. I don't think it's necessarily being isolationist not to have to try to secure every every situation around the world and getting involved. I think we've uh, we've all always had a element of our government that's spent far too much time meddling with other people's affairs when they could have stayed the hell out of it and and we would have been much the much more uh uh well we would have been safer we would have probably we would definitely have better finances and that adventurism was usually stirred up by uh people who seldom had to put their asses on the line and they parked their ass in Washington DC and work in think tanks and work for the CIA or any of the other uh, particular alphabet agencies that think that they need to, they have to create havoc in order for them to have job security. It's kind of redundant. It's kind of reprehensible. And the funny thing is, is there are people inside those agencies that actually served, but you can obviously tell that they're the, they're the dirt bags of the, the units and operations. I think we, saw that under Trump when you had guys like Alexander Vindman come out and, you know, pretend to be some kind of patriot that he wasn't, you know, and not only that, somebody was uh, asking him for, you know, the Ukrainians were asking him if he'd like to serve because he wasn't loyal. He wasn't loyal to her. He, we have many people who have achieved high rank or high station in certain parts of the military operation or government operation that don't deserve any of the any of the accolades that they've been given and therefore we're the ones as people that have to uh be aware of their you know traitorous behaviors and and stop that uh moving on i guess um in with regard with regards to my uh my uh, grandfather he he did serve in world war Two. he signed up about middle of the war, 1943, when he was uh, he was born in uh, 1926, and he managed to get in right right at the at the cusp of war, uh, cusp of uh, big battles that came up in 1944, um, and his brother actually kind of kept him from uh, probably uh, being killed through his his brother di- died in a drowning accident and. In Illinois, uh, near Paris, Illinois, which was actually where they were born, uh, where the family had came about, but he had some kind of drowning accident. His brother died on uh, June fifth, nineteen forty-four, and my grandfather happened to, uh, you know, I had been de- had been he was uh, finishing up training as he was getting into the service because he just he just become he just turned eighteen in May of that year. And anyway, um, so he managed to um, not be on board a LST that wound up getting, uh, uh, getting, uh, uh, I guess you could say, sunk. And uh, most of the hands on the ship were um, lost or uh, severely injured. So there was a aspect of that that just coincides together. So. Anyway, that was part of what my grandfather told me, and then my grandfather wound up uh, dying on July fourth of uh, of uh, 1986, which just so happened to be Harold, his uh, brother who drowns, birthday. So there was some, um, I don't know, you can call it coincidence or synergy, 
but whatever the case may be, there was certainly a connection there. And um, so my grandfather landed in a landing craft at Okinawa. He managed to survive that. He stayed in until I think it was like 1946, whenever whenever the discharge came through. So, yeah, he was only in for a couple of years, but of course, during an actual real real time real war, he told me about his trips to New Caledonia. Um, they went to the Philippines as part of the Third Fleet. Um, I don't think it was Third Fleet. I won't swear to that, but um, yeah. He served and and did his duty. On the other side of my family, even though my dad was a total jerk, uh, him and his brothers all served in the Marine Corps or the Army. Um, When I was growing up in Tennessee, uh, if you went over to to my, uh, some of my um, aunts and uncles' houses in in particular, uh, they had their, uh, my one uncle uh, was, uh, his name is Buddy, and he had a, he had um, his um, younger, his kids, uh, Rocky and Benny and Randy. Randy was the oldest one. He he was in actual Vietnam. He was uh, in, there in 1968. I do remember that. Um, he was a hard drinker, liked violence. <laughs> he was something else. He was, but he was messed up. Um, many of my other relatives in that family that that were of that age my uh, they they served my uncle Kendall was in the service I think he was in the Air Force if I'm not mistaken I certainly know he wound up being an engineer because uh, he worked he actually worked in uh, Huntsville Alabama I think he worked actually at the Johnson Space Center if I can't if I'm uh, accurate about that because I know he, he spent a great deal of time around that that particular aspect so and now, you know, going back, even even my uh, um, my grandfather on my dad's side was uh, in the army in the in during World War Two. Many of these people have all served, you know, various stations. Most of them didn't serve very high ranking or anything like that. Though I do have some relatives in my distant past that served admirably that I am connected to. And I guess I will mention them then because, you know, they are a part of my family, irrespective of what other people may think of them, which they are connected to some of the more infamous aspects of American history, which it is what it is. So, for example, um, as it turns out, my uh, my relatives or my, uh, in particular, would have been, uh, would have been my um, aunt, but it's a direct, a direct line. She happened to marry uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest, who happened to be um, uh, General Nathan Bedford Forrest, who wound up being uh, the founder of the Ku Klux Klan, um, which isn't, you know, an honorable position, uh, or at least he was considered that, at least in history, he's gone down as that. But prior to that, during the Civil War, he was considered probably... At least there's been many many, uh, many things written about him. For one, he was probably the most uh, in, in, ingenious or certainly uh, uh, the most resourceful of this Confederate generals. He started off as a private. He enlisted, and they promoted him pretty quickly right up to, because, well, for one thing, he was uh, pretty well off at the time. Uh, I think he got it. He would lived in Mississippi, and then eventually he 
through that through his uh, leadership and money whatnot. He started. I think he went right from uh, unli- he, he just he didn't necessarily want to be in charge, but he wound up being promoted up through the ranks pretty quickly, and then put in charge of you know a, a battle brigade and, and stuff like that. He had horses; he could provide that, but he also had tactics and he knew the knew the region well. So that what that's probably where his uh, some of the source of his abilities lied. He knew how to use. Uh, uh, basically guerrilla warfare at the time but he also knew the knew the land and knew the trails and knew how to uh, uh, attack his enemies his battle strategies are were still being used in the 1990s in the United States military I found a paper written by uh, um, a captain of no less that was uh, quoting most of his strategies and uh, wrote like a 30 page paper on him so anyway He's also responsible for the tragedy at Fort Pillow. Uh, so there's a lot of, you know, there's goods and bads to everything. When you're dealing with war, you know, people could say the same thing about Erwin Rommel, too. So as it so happens that his, it, it, uh, aside from that, his uh, his grand his grandson, or uh, Nathan, Bor- uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest III, so his name's uh, named after him, uh, died was the first general to die in World War II in the European theater. It just it so happens through history. The other famous relative of mine is uh, Sam Houston, who was a part of the War of eighteen twelve. He was Andrew Jackson's protege. Um, he wound up uh, being the governor of Tennessee and Texas, and he was also a, a senator from Texas. He was also the first president of the Republic of Texas. Sam Houston is definitely a more honorable character. Um, he also had he also had his problems too because he's um, identified with the Trail of Tears. Many people think uh, that that was just a horrible circumstance and we should have never done that as a country. Well, in uh, Georgia, the uh, Cherokee were residing. Uh, the locals in the Cherokee were starting to get into more contentious battles, um, and there was a, a, a plan afoot to relocate them. It was either re- relocate the Cherokee or them getting slaughtered, or some. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of in between there. So he was tasked with the the removal and, and moving them to Oklahoma. Uh, many were lost on the way there. That being said. That's kind of the way uh, circumstances worked out. Um, the Cherokee Indians still survive to today. I'm Cherokee Indian, at least partly, about one-eighth Cherokee. My grand, my grandmother happened to be uh, from Oklahoma, and she was a half-breed, uh, at least on my dad's side. So, so there's always interesting circumstances that happen to come about, and the reason why I guess you could say those things matter is because they were all veterans of the of the wars and the battles that they fought through. Um, and there are a, a couple other relatives. It just so happens that my uh, uh, Sam Houston's uh, uh, kind of related also to uh, the Weir um, family group, which is my um, I'm a descendant of the Weir family, and it just so happens the Weir family. They're the seventh, sixth, and seventh uh, grand uh, grandfather, or you know, great 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 grandfather of the Bush family. 
Um, I found that out too. So being connected through American history, um, they were, uh, their, uh, family happened to serve in the American revolution, um, in various aspects and roles. So the country's foundation has been based upon this long trek, you know, through time periods and every time period has brought with it conflicts that everybody has had to, uh, had to deal with in their own way, in their own circumstances, uh, try to develop uh, um, the ability to overcome whatever that this current crisis is, which I think many can feel in this situation right now because of, of it's a different situation. While we have what seems to be a quiet time, um, everybody can feel the tension with the, the economics and the the mandates and the and the host of medical tyranny that seems to be getting imposed by forces around the world. If you live in Australia, or if you live in Europe, in the United States, and Canada, basically throughout the world, though there are um, people that are pushing back on that uh, today or within the last couple of days. China's been trying to cut off and wants us to stop our uh, relationships with China or at least uh, talking with them. Um, that doesn't surprise me any because they're they're in they're in the midst of their uh, objective to, to try to start a uh, certainly take over Taiwan without they they would rather take over Taiwan without having a fire shot. So they Taiwan may even be negotiating for their own surrender. Their leadership probably is pretty weak. They they're a very small island, and they're very um, ostensibly they're way too close to the coast of uh, China for us to do much for them. Except you know, it would help be helpful if we had a much better uh, game plan or much much better leadership. So once again, uh, that's where having strong leadership and a, a strong military that has a mission and knows what that mission is would be substantially uh, more um, useful to deter a country like China who may very well you know, lash out because of their own internal circumstances with food and economic collapse. Meanwhile, the United States seems to be trying to push itself towards that collapse. Certainly, there's enough forces. And this is what happens when... Um, you have people who know they're caught in our, I think, our elitist class, or I don't even like to call them that. They, they, you can call them global class. Their, their policies have failed. They failed the world. But in order to shift the blame off themselves, they've decided to try to stir up this, you know, cockamamie scheme in order to uh, create the, the, the destabilization of the entire world. So then they can come in and pretend to offer the solution to solve it all, which they don't have. And whoever dies in the process doesn't make any difference to them. And they may be ushering in, obviously, the there's the other things, the transhumanism and whatnot. So there's a whole host of examples there. But our remembrance of the people that served and thought they were serving uh, for honorable reasons... And they were in their minds, in their hearts. Uh, they were serving their countries. They were serving humanity. Um, 
they knew they weren't going in many cases they weren't seeking glory uh only only really i i would ostensibly say only dumbasses would uh join up to the service and think they're going to you know do it for just shooting shooting people or doing whatever committing violence most people do it out of a a commitment to try to uh improve the the security of the world make a difference learn some leadership skills learn to become more educated about certain things um there is a certain amount of exploration too because you get stationed abroad you can get stationed in a and not only just hot zones but in in crisis zones i call them they would say where you can um provide more of a um you know you you get a f- example of what other peoples are like and what their what their uh their daily lives are about and what can what can you do as a um assisting force to make their lives better get to know them get to know walk in their shoes get to see the things that are good and bad um the military the the basic military i think has always done an admirable job there's been times when the vietnam war where things got twisted sideways but that's more of the 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 structure of the war itself and how those uh orders came down to hamper you know roles you can't when you go into a when you go into a basic war and you don't set out with a means to win or a, a, if you have no means to win the war or that not because it isn't the will the when i say the means i mean the what is it that what what is it that constitutes achieving a win and we didn't really ever have that in 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 the front of the minds and that war is just more the most indicative of that because we certainly dropped enough bombs, we killed enough people, uh, we lost enough soldiers, but never achieved that. And then recently, so you got stuck in Afghanistan for 20 years, and then what did you gain from it? Nothing. So there, that's another one that's um, obviously an example. Um, at this point, I mean, I think I'm about done with this episode. But I will say that um, I think there's been many, um, many great people that have come through the battles that have uh, taken place, or, uh, battles and, and um, uh, fights for freedom along the last two, three, four hundred years uh, since the Enlightenment, since uh, since it, uh, since you know uh, the the founding of the New World, so to speak. Um, some, uh, when I say founding, uh, yes, there were, uh, natives and, and whatnot, and there were lots of battles for the, the land as it was, but there's always been battles across the world, uh, for, you know, land and resources in Africa and Asia. Um, there's, there's no, there's no place on this world that's not, not been touched by that, um. I mean, nobody really was thinking much about Australia until, you know, the British decided to put down a penal colony on that particular island of all places. Imagine how that would have turned out if it had been, what if China had decided to do it. And China could have done it, but they just, for about three or four hundred years, they didn't exactly go out of their way to do an exploration. 
uh, they were contented and they got lazy. See, we can learn a lot from the, the laziness of a ruling elite that decides that they've, uh, uh, they're happy and content with their resting on their laurels. Uh, people will always be competitive in bypassing you, but the idea is to do it in a way that uh, that uh, in 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 enlivens the spirit of people. Um, that people feel like the progress that they're achieving, though, is more about a, a a level at a level that people around you understand and people want to be a part of. In Veterans Day, just maybe there's people that have. They came back from wars and wanted to do more for their country, or come back from, uh, you know, conflicts that uh, uh, taught them, you know, greater lessons about humanity, and that there are human there's humanity in your enemies. Some of your enemies are not they're not your they're not directly the the, the idea that you have to ha- have to face another man and and one of you is going to walk away alive. Um, it's got to be an awesome. It's got to be an awesome situation to even comprehend, and I'm sure many veterans and soldiers who have have faced that challenge directly, um, it haunts them. But they also um, they've learned they learn a respect for human life that many don't. Uh, that rail and uh, complain about you know such people in a and rather with in a rather ignorant way so we're going to end this off here but i like the play out music so i hope people who listen will enjoy this um i enjoy um trying to put these together this was impromptu i didn't really go over any articles i just wanted to talk again like uh, going back to an old friend and trying to um, provide a better a better example. Um, yeah, this time of year, I'm I'm hoping that uh, things will we can ride out the storm. That's what I've been doing uh, for the last several months. I'm still still working on that uh, those pieces of the puzzle. I think all, all the people in the world right now are doing the same. Not the not the people that sit in politics or in bureaucrats. Talk about ordinary people that have to make ends meet and have to, you know, show up at work and, and come home and pray that uh, their their wives or their sons and daughters and and um, even their brothers and sisters who show up and need a hand that they can provide that for them in the best way possible um or certainly or at least certainly provide a story as to why they um you know why we're all here and trying to make it through so as we go into the holidays here in the next few weeks uh, each of us will have to you know continue to make those um make those efforts and it'll get busier it'll be a busier time in our minds but we need to reflect more too reflection's always good for the soul because you can always go back and figure out a way to um, make those mistakes a little less painful and learn from them thank you all for listening Um, God bless the United States of America and God save the world